folks, this is Scott. I'm back here for another episode of Casey Greats. I'm with a newer friend of mine, John Pryor, who has got a really interesting venture going on right here in Kansas City that he's brought to town, and it's called Madison Flitch. So, John, thanks for, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Scott, for having me on the show. What... Uh, Tell us uh, what Madison Flitch is going to be doing for us here. Sure. So Madison Flitch is a a furniture making company that we uh, call uh, Tree to Table Furniture. And what we want to do is try to take Kansas City trees, uh, salvage them from the mulch yard or the fire pit or something like that, and turn it into really beautiful uh, furniture. So our mantra is to try, try to create a second life for Kansas City area trees. Um, that may have been taken down for uh, redevelopment projects and turn them into beautiful furniture for your home. So these are things, these are these are trees that, you know, you're not just buying at Home Depot, that right, type of right. lumber. These are things that may have gotten wasted or thrown away other than this. Exactly. So um, it, it's pretty common where uh, cities or municipalities will import a bunch of really nice trees because they look good in the landscape. Um, but then when they need to take them down for any kind of redevelopment purpose um, or the um, tree gets sick, um, they just take it down and um, in most cases give it to a mulch yard or someplace like that. Um, but this is, these are really nice trees, really good wood, and uh, they look really beautiful. They're fixed up for furniture. Um, so we've developed relationships with a lot of uh, lumber yards and local sawyers um, to try to save these trees um, and turn them into furniture. That's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, it's not, I hesitate to say reclaimed because right. it wasn't claimed in the first place. Right. So you're not reclaiming. Right. But essentially, um, you know, using a resource that was getting wasted. Exactly. Yeah, we think of it as salvaging the wood. Um, it's kind of part of a broader movement in the United States called the urban forestry uh, movement. Um, where they try to save these really valuable um, trees that get knocked down in cities for uh, redevelopment purposes um, and just try to use them in some way that creates a second life for it. Um, and one of the great, greatest examples we have of this in uh, our current product uh, line is um, a whole bunch of black walnut trees that mm-hmm. got removed from the um, Kansas City Crime Lab development project, which was... Um, Along 27th and Prospect, it was a, about a six-block area of blighted buildings and so on, and the mm-hmm. city wanted to um, develop it. And so they um, knocked down a whole bunch of the trees, um, buildings as well, and uh, put in the crime lab. But instead of like throwing the trees away, they gave them to a local lumber yard, and uh, they dried and cared for the trees, and they made them available to me and a few other um, woodworkers. So we created a line called the 909 uh, Collection, which is uh, inspired by the Kansas City um, history of Art Deco and try to turn it into a collection that um, honors the downtown Kansas City past. Very cool, because that area, you said, near the 27th and Troost area, right? Correct, yeah. Uh, So there's a lot of old architectural influence Mm -hmm. with the Art Deco period in that area with some of the old row houses and stuff like that, Right. right? Right, exactly. Excellent. Well, that's really cool because so people are then getting a product not just, hey, excellent woodworking, but 
it's it's attached to Kansas City. Exactly. You know, it's a part of the city, and it's grown here for maybe a hundred years, right. and now it's in your home. Right. Yeah, that's one of the sad things about these trees is they can, they can be planted in, say, you know, uh, early 20th century, grow for a hundred years, and then uh, they can be taken down and just used for firewood. But we're able to take that, um, create a second life, and then uh, make it available to a consumer in their, in their home or office. Well, that's really cool. So... I, the concept is amazing. That's really fun. Uh, but let's back up a little bit. Sure. How do you? Uh, you've got a bit of a corporate background, right. and, and right. I don't know more of a more of a business side of things. Sure. How do you come to the point where hey, I'm a furniture maker? Right, right. No, <laughs> it's a it's an interesting story. It's a very I have had a, a very circuitous uh, career path. I, I started my life as an academic. Actually, I went to seminary for five years, studied history of religion, philosophy, theology. Um, and I was going to be headed for a life in the uh, university, but I, I got burned out by the ivory tower, so I decided <laughs> to join the real world, and uh, I joined a, a technology company. And uh, I did entry-level work for a few years before I became a manager in the corporate world um, for about 10 years. And then uh, I got, um, yeah, it, was an, it was an okay life, but um, the thing about working in technology is that uh, it's the knowledge economy and whatever work you're producing is all on a computer. You can't really see it in whatever you're contributing to the whole. And uh, to try to relieve stress, I actually took up uh, furniture making about five years ago um, because it was something you could do with your hands. It was tangible. Um, you could work with uh, something that was living, breathing like wood and produce something that was very, very beautiful. And um, from you know beginning to end, that was... Uh, a completed project. So um, I enjoyed doing that for a while. We fixed up our house with all of our furniture and, uh, and so on. And we got such great feedback on what we were doing that I thought, you know what, I'd much rather do this with the rest of my life. <laughs> than create <laughs> a uh, spreadsheet? And then, yes, than working with spreadsheets and so on. So, well, that's fair. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's great. And, uh, and uh, I appreciated the business world. I mean, I'm, I'm getting my MBA from Boston University. And uh, yeah, I was, I was, at, I was, my technology uh, experience was out of uh, uh, Boston. Uh, we lived, my wife and I lived in uh, Boston, Massachusetts for about 15 years before we decided to return to our roots in Kansas City, uh, be closer to family and start this furniture making business. Well, very cool, man. That, that really, to me, adds a really interesting aspect to it because you've really got kind of the traditional MBA track, you know. Mm -hmm with BU being a really great business school. Mm -hmm. And I know you've worked a little bit with uh, some UMKC resources Correct, uh, yeah. for entrepreneurship, but now you've got kind of the down in the dirt startup right. here, man. You're hands on, there's sawdust flying and, and oil staining and things like that. That's a really cool mix. And I, I think that gives you a unique uh, eye and voice on these things, it seems. Maybe a little bit more analytical on some of your design from, from what I've seen. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, my, uh, that's really my goal and what I hope to really leverage uh, in myself is uh, my business experience and, uh, um, and the kind of artistic design side of me. Um, I really kind of hope that the marriage between the two uh, produces something that's going to be valuable for the city. Um, you know, the uh, we've put together like things like a marketing plan and a business plan. We run the financials. We run, um, you know, kind of marketing uh, surveys that try to test what people really want in their furniture designs, and uh, it kind of helps us do um, um, 
do things that uh, people really want, and it helps avoid uh, helps us avoid um, doing anything too extreme mm-hmm. in terms of our design. So, yeah, I agree with you. Like kind of the marriage between the business experience and uh, the artistic side is, I think, pretty helpful. You know, it seems like um, it seems like that's happening more now. Um, you and I had talked about a little bit earlier that we had almost a whole generation here in America where things kind of became throwaway. You know, our great aunts, great uncles, great grandfathers, grandmothers, they had heirloom pieces that mm. they saved up for and they get handed down throughout the years to family. And then uh, the baby boom generation didn't have as much of that, right? Mm-hmm. The suburbs were right. a little disposable. So now it seems like our generation and millennials even more are putting so much more emphasis on that quality. Mm-hmm. And you end up having two tracks. You've got the Ikea track right. or you've got, let's buy something that can stay in the family. Are you seeing that with some of your market research and, and your potential buyers? For sure, yeah. I mean, the, the, the biggest market, of course, is the Ikea market where, um, you know, you can buy something that looks stylish, it's pretty simple, it's cheap. And uh, if you feel like you need to move on from it in two years, <laughs> you don't feel bad about it. Um, but there's another market or strain in, uh, you know, in the community where they really value um, things that are local, that are handcrafted, they're artisan, um, boutique. Um, they have a store behind it that's very meaningful. Um, and that's really the, uh, the market, I think, that we're really trying to serve is, um, you know, look, we're, we're salvaging these trees. Um, we think they have a good story behind them. Um, and when you, you know, when you purchase one of our products, you're getting something that looks beautiful, but also is, uh, you're kind of contributing back to the community and giving the tree a second life. And, uh, we think there's a lot of, um, you know, it's a little bit different. It's not, it's not something that you're going to want to dispose of in five years, but it's going to be something that you'll look at and say, this is really unique, really special, and it has a lot of meaning that I want to, um, hold on to. Yeah. That's cool. That's different than, than a lot of things going on right now Right. that, that are just throwaway, but it, uh, the way you're going about it to, to, to claim and, and reuse these trees that would, would have been thrown away, that is a fantastic hands-on challenge, but it's also a challenge, I'm sure, on the business end. When you're writing a business plan, you can't exactly put, put down your cost of goods sold <laughs> as an absolute, right? Right. When, right. when you're sourcing materials that way. Of you course, know? yeah. You're not going down to the lumberyard and just buying a... a mm-hmm a load of lumber. How does that play into uh, a different variable, I guess, than sure. normal stuff? So, yeah, that's actually a very good uh, business question. Um, and the way we kind of dealt with that is we have very, very variable costs. So yeah. it's just like what you're saying. Um, I come across good wood um, that I think has a meaningful story. Um, I try to buy up as much of it as I can, and that's going to be the cost for that wood. And the next time I come across another uh, collection of wood, it's going to be a very different cost. It could be double, it could be half, it you could never be. know. Right. <laughs> so um, that's where we've really tried to um, develop collections around the wood um, that tries to honor the, the, the story behind the wood. Um, when we uh, produce products um, that... Uh, how do I should say this? So when we finish our, um, when we finish a collection, we just build product to the wood that we have. So we only have like 20 pieces in the collection. Um, And when we're finished with the wood, we'll just move on and build a new collection based on new wood. 
That's really interesting to me because, you know, you look at a typical business plan and there, you know, you'll, you'll want everything to go high and to the right and right. it's a five year or 10 year projection, right. but really your business is going to evolve with mm-hmm. the, the, to an extent evolve with the city because if you're taking things from development areas as something develops, you'll get different wood. Correct. And your yeah. business will evolve with the city and with the wood that you get. You exactly. can't put that in a business plan. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's very hard to project costs and uh, future revenues when you're kind of dealing with this uh, value proposition in a way. And uh, the way we've kind of dealt with it is, um, you know, we're going to have to educate, I think, consumers on the idea that um, our furniture is going to have variable pricing right along mm-hmm. our variable costs. So um, it's not like, say, in Walmart, you can go in and always expect that price to be the same for whatever product you're looking at. Um, You would come in and see, okay, it costs this much, and that's likely because um, uh, my cost for the wood was different than um, it was for a previous collection. Um, So that's kind of how we deal with it, and um, we think that's going to be okay from the consumer point of view uh, simply because uh, they know they're going to be buying something that is completely unique, um, completely exclusive, and uh, has that meaningful story um, that uh, makes them feel good about the purchase. Very cool. Well, it sure it sure makes for a unique approach to it. You know, sure. That no two pieces are going to be like, obviously, mm-hmm. because you're not just getting squared off wood. Now, as far as acquiring it, you, you've told us that, but, you know, there's not a sawmill on every corner right. anymore, right? right? So I'm not even sure of where you'd go to, to get lumber sawn. Yeah. Is it uh, a dying art or a, a growing cottage industry right now where you yeah. can, once you source your logs, yeah. you go and get them cut? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, as part of, um, I think, our unique value is that we're really involved in every stage of the process. It's like you said, we just don't go down to the store and buy a whole bunch of wood. <laughs> we know... Um, you know where the tree came from. Where uh, we have our hands in the you know the cutting down of it, the milling of it, etc. And um, it is, I would say, a dying art in that there's not too many people um, who do this anymore. Um, they call them sawyers, and uh, they're people with sawmills. And you can go to them, and they will cut the tree into either um, slabs or uh, lumber for you. Um, I've developed relationships with a few people around the city who are still doing this. Um, I also work with the uh, Urban Lumber Company, which is a local uh, urban um, wood store that uh, uh, specializes in Kansas City hardwoods. Oh, very cool. It's great, yeah. And then I also um, I have family farms uh, from uh, my extended family in uh, Missouri and Kansas. And... Um, They'll take down trees and we'll work with uh, local people who have sawmills and uh, cut them down ourselves and uh, dry them ourselves and uh, just care for the wood from the beginning. So that can help your supply chain, it sounds a little bit too, where Mm -hmm. not everything is necessarily from a development, but if you maybe you don't have wood coming in for six months from something like that, you've got a little bit of a backup, but it's still local wood. It's still local wood. It'll Excellent. always be. It'll always be local. Um, yeah, we'll never go uh, outside the Kansas, Missouri, uh, Kansas City area. Um, and uh, uh, I think the the idea that we're really trying to do 
um, give to people is this idea that this is a local Kansas City um, natural product, um, and we've dressed it up in a way that it, it'll really add value into your home. So there's no uh, cutting down the Indonesian rainforest to get <laughs> right. the right. wood or whatever that's right. mass-produced. Right. Excellent. All right. Great. Right. So you, you had mentioned, you know, you kind of came by the furniture building as a, sounds like a, a release. Yes. Kind yes. of a, a release of frustration of, of corporate stuff and really get back to producing something. But I've done a, a, a touch of woodworking and it's not easy to do it well. Right. And at a furniture grade, especially the joinery. Correct. You know, and that really, um, that really adds the engineering touch mm-hmm. and the strength and the durability to it. How do you... I guess, did you learn that on, on your own? Did sure. you have a, a family background there or what? Sure. So, right, yeah. So uh, I have a family woodworking history, um, and that's uh, where the name Madison Flitch actually comes from. Um, Madison is a family name. It's my middle name, um, and I was named after my great-grandfather who was a woodworker, and uh, um, all my fathers more or less had some woodworking in their in their background. And so I learned a little bit from that. Um, but in terms of really making fine furniture, I had to go to, um, you know, I, I went the typical route of like YouTube and the internet mm-hmm. and that really only takes you so far. <laughs> and, uh, so I went to the school in Indianapolis called the Mark Adams School of Woodworking. It's one of the bigger, um, finer, uh, schools in North America. And, uh, they have many, um, high end designers, uh, that teach at that school. And I made a few relationships with people like Michael Fortune, uh, Mark Adams himself, um, were able to show me a lot of the kind of cutting edge, um, techniques and woodworking that really, um, allow for high quality furniture that will last uh, really beyond a lifetime. Um, and so, you know, quality is one of those things that's kind of become subjective. Everybody says that, uh, you know, their stuff is high quality, um, but in furniture, what it really means is, uh, I think you mentioned this, the joinery is really important. Um, so what we try to do is anytime we are joining two pieces of wood together, we never use screws or bolts or anything like that. Wow. So, you know, uh, you as a consumer, you know, when you're wanting to know if something is quality, like look underneath the table and see if there's screws or bolts there. If there are, um, you know, there's probably nothing wrong with that table, but over time it'll start to wobble a little. Yeah, those will loosen. They'll, yeah, the screws will loosen from the wood because wood is alive, it moves, and uh, the metal in the wood um, just can't sustain that joint for very long. So what we try to do is just put um, uh, mortise and tenon uh, or floating tenon joinery in our uh, furniture, um, which allows it to really just last that, that lifetime. Well, we see this... Uh... I kind of see it in the day job with, with people that have hardwood floors hmm. that, you know, if you don't humidify your house, for example, this time of year in the winter, we have such drastic changes in humidity from summer to winter here. Yeah, metal doesn't change with that, but wood does. So that's what's sure. going to cause those, you know, screws to back out over time. So if you've got all this, the same wood interacting together, it's going mm-hmm. to basically breathe that humidity exactly. all at the same rate. Exactly. So very yeah. cool. Yeah, and that's part of you know what we really try to do is uh, with this tree to table model is um, you know because we have our hands in the process from beginning to end, um, we're really caretaking uh, and shepherding the wood through um, the entire process to make sure that the end product uh, is that high quality. 
So um, that's kind of what we want people to be able to trust in us is that when they buy a piece, okay, it's local salvage wood, it's a beautiful design, but it's also really high quality that I can trust will last yeah. a lifetime. Not just going to show it off for a couple uh, couple years right. and then relegate it to the man cave. Right, exactly. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I, I get the feeling that if I had some of this in my house, my wife would make me use a coaster. Yes, so, uh, <laughs> which is why we sell coasters online. Excellent. That's good, man. <laughs> got to protect it right you had mentioned uh, a little bit you said uh, your 909 line uh, from the wood claimed from the crime lab project correct uh, that you kind of were going with an art deco influence there right and that kind of leads me to where you've ended up Mm. here Um, you're here on 18th in I think you said it's an old film row building Correct. Yeah, we're on uh, 18th Street, um, 18th and Wyandotte, really, and uh, we're in a film row building um, that used to house all the film canisters uh, on the way from L.A. to New York. And I just learned this. Apparently, film was very, very uh, uh, flammable and explosive, and Mm -hmm. it could never make the trip from L.A. to New York, so they needed a, a midway point to store the film, let it cool down, and then it could go on to New York. And this was <laughs> this was the building where they stored those uh, canisters. Oh, so that's pretty cool. It's, uh, I think uh, you know, Walt Disney actually even worked here for a little bit, um, or at least had a presence here in some way. Um, so it's got a really cool history, and we're really happy to be able to work Very out. cool. Well, this, this part of uh, 18th is right on the edge of Crossroads. And the first Friday scene, and the building itself has a really cool Art Deco facade mm-hmm. in the front, and uh, several of them around here do. So you can walk to lunch, and right? Get inspired, basically. Yeah, right? and that and that's actually what exactly what I did was I uh, I knew I wanted the collection to be Art Deco, very Kansas City, and I got um, inspired by so many of the shapes just on the buildings of uh, the local studio um, that I decided to try to build a collection inspired by those shapes. Very good. So that's kind of our hope is that you can see the inspiration of the um, of the collection from uh, the Kansas local Kansas City scene. Okay. So you mentioned early on, John, that, that you and your wife were kind of coming back to your roots here. How did? Hmm. What's your background in Kansas City? Did you grow up sure. here or what? Yeah, I, I, I grew up here. Um, I went to uh, Barstow High School, um, private school along state line in southern Johnson County. Then I went to uh, Kansas State University for um, my undergraduate degree. And, uh, and then it was really after I graduated college that I made the move to Boston to try to pursue this academic uh, career. Um, and my wife and I, we, we met at K-State, and that's when we both moved to uh, uh, the Boston area. We were there for 15 years and uh, decided to come back because uh, we realized that, well, Kansas City is just a lot better place than Boston. <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty good place. Yeah, it, it's it's friendly. It's a it's a jewel, and uh, we're so excited to be back. And uh, we we actually just moved uh, this summer of 2016, and uh, uh, we wanted to get closer to the revitalization of Kansas City, um, be closer to the you know the, just the awesome people that are here, um, and then uh, we wanted to be closer to our our family. Um, we have a lot of family and friends here and, uh, the distance was just becoming too much for us. So yeah. now that we're here, we're, we're living downtown now. And, um, that's actually what the 909 uh, collection is named after. We are living in 909 Walnut building. Oh, cool. And, uh, because the collection was made out of Walnut, I just thought, Hey, this is going to be really appropriate. We'll name it after the 909 building. And, that's perfect. Uh, yeah. It's a great art deco inspired, uh, 
building built in 1930 or so. So it was it's great inspiration for that's the kind of a reclamation project in itself, right. isn't it? It is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think it opened its doors in 2000 after a major renovation and became apartment buildings. So very cool, man. Yeah. So you're yeah you're walking uh, you're walking to work and just looking around to find things right. to uh, design with. But exactly. Yeah. So obviously your family's got to be pretty supportive. Yes. Doing something like this. Is yeah. your wife involved directly with you in the business side of things now? or? Yeah, we consider this a, a family business in a way. I'm, I'm really leading the, uh, uh, the charge at the moment, but my wife will eventually be involved in, uh, I suppose we call sales and marketing. She's really, um, she's got an amazing ability to connect with people and um, kind of uh, identify uh, what they really want and then try to find a way that gives them what they want. So we thought that's going to be great. She, she actually works in uh, sales in, in, a, in a major corporation. So she's doing that um, to kind of float us while we build this business. And then once we uh, think we're in a good spot, she's going to um, hop on over and become full-time for us. Sounds like you're bootstrapping. We're bootstrapping <laughs> in a major way right now. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. That's, uh, it's just, it's such a ground up thing. It's really cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very good. Well, you've obviously got history with Kansas City, mm-hmm. and I always like I always like to find this out from folks that do have history, mm-hmm. and especially when they've come back and experienced other great cities. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of your favorite hidden gems in town? Mm-hmm. Things that you know, and sometimes they're known, but sure. you know, things that you think somebody else should know about: parks, sure. restaurants, bars, whatever, anything. Sure. Well, you know, we've been really rediscovering uh, the Kansas City downtown area since we moved back. And uh, we've been really trying to enjoy the restaurants, the bars, and the entertainment scene. And so the, we really have some of favorite restaurants in uh, the Crossroads. We love uh, Nara Restaurant, the sure. sushi, Asian-inspired um, restaurant along uh, Main Street. Um, we love uh, Extra Virgin, uh, the Michael Smith restaurant along 20th Street. Um, and really, there's a new coffee shop called Brioche that makes the most amazing cinnamon rolls you've probably ever had in your life. And Sounds like an awesome tip. Highly recommend going there. <laughs> so it's about a couple blocks from my studio. and it's, uh, it's That's a, dangerous. Man. It is a battle every day to keep myself <laughs> from going to Brioche to get their cinnamon roll. So that's some of our favorite places. And then... Um, to eat and then uh one of the things we really love about kansas city now is that the the entertainment options are really top-notch so the kaufman center is an amazing jewel and well and you can and we can, you see, can it see it, from, it the from the window of the studio that's fantastic yeah, it's great and uh you know we've been to all the places in uh, boston um that uh you know like boston symphony hall and things mm-hmm. like that kaufman is it is a total gem and if you haven't been there, definitely go to any of the shows there. It's really world-class. It is world-class for sure. And uh, it's great that Kansas City has it. Um, and, of course, the Power and Light, uh, the Sprint Center, um, downtown Kansas City Live. Uh, there's, it's kind of amazing how many free shows are really available to the public um, that you can just see. We were uh, um, walking down the street and uh, after going to dinner, and I think... Um, it was uh who was that band that plays uh um it's the lumineers they were oh, just playing yeah. for free and uh wow kind of yeah. a big band <laughs> yeah they're like coming to play sprint center here that's in the right few months. that's right that's and, not uh, that's not a small group it's not a small group anymore and there they are in kansas city and uh 
you could just listen to them and th things like that are really special the amount of access that you can have um in kansas city to uh you know really great people celebrities or great acts um is actually pretty unusual um if, we, cool. were, if we were in boston they'd find some way to nickel and dime you the <laughs> <laughs> and uh and you'd have to be dealing with a lot more people and so um being able to have that opportunity in kansas city is really special very cool so where are things going right now you've told me you're kind of still in in product development right now exactly. you're kind of building the inventory and mm -hmm. Still building the wood, the wood pile essentially, right. Right? right? So where where are we heading in the next few months to a year? Sure. So really, the goal in the next two months is to develop at least three collections before we um, hard launch um, in April. Hard launch to us just means um, announcing to the media, um, advertising, things like that, trying to make us uh, very you know visible to the public. Um, after that. Um, we want to continue developing collections and then making ourselves available to um, do custom work for um, people who may have uh, their own um, salvaged wood that they think is really important oh, to them. Okay. And uh, we want to make ourselves available to, um, you know, maybe they need an expert woodworker to um, work with the wood and make something that they would really enjoy. So they could have a, a tree that fell on their family's farm. Exactly. And they get an idea that, you know what, we would love this to be a piece of our home. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and bring that to you guys. Yeah, so we're, we're going to be offering limited um, custom services in that in that sense, and that if you have some wood that um, is meaningful to you, we can try to figure out a way to, to work together to produce something that would be uh, useful um, to the consumer. Very cool. Yeah, and then uh, we'll also offer um, uh, what we call uh, custom flitch collections. So I don't think I mentioned this, but flitch is an old English word for a natural or live edge slab of wood. Really? Um, I had no idea. Right. So, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, and when you combined it with our family name Madison, it sounded kind of cool, Madison Flitch. Absolutely. Yeah. So we will offer um, custom flitch services where we'll source um, natural live edge slab wood and. Uh, turn it into a coffee table or dining table or something like that for people. Um, and that, that's kind of be a real easy, um, cool way to bring the natural beauty of the Midwest into your home. Well, and we're such, uh, I mean, there's a lot of areas that have great hardwoods, but the Midwest has got such a great diversity yes. of woods for you to have access to. Yes. I mean, you've got walnut, ash, mm -hmm. all kinds that I probably don't remember from my sure. six week ag class sure. in high school. Right. Well, yeah, we don't have like the California redwoods, which are very popular on the West Coast, but we have things like uh, black walnut, ash, elm, which is an incredibly beautiful uh, wood. Really? Yeah, you, you don't think so. You don't hear about it a lot, but when you when you finish it down, polish it, and uh, it has this amazing waterfall effect uh, that's um, really amazing to look at. And so um, uh, I've actually made a relationship with uh, the... Um, downtown KU redevelopment project where I think they were trying to build a new campus building and they removed um, about 10,000 board feet of elm trees. Wow, that's so, a lot. Yeah, so we may call it the Jayhawk Collection. I don't know what we're going to call it, but <laughs> as, a, as a KU, as a K-State uh, wildcat. That'd be tough I'm, to swallow. It's man. kind of tough to swallow, but, uh, but <laughs> you know. Sunflower Collection. Yeah, maybe we'll do something like that, but 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the idea is that uh, there's a lot of beautiful wood um, around uh, the Kansas City area that uh, you probably wouldn't think of um, initially, and uh, we're trying to source that um, and make that available. Um, examples of that include, um, you know, I, I was able to source uh, spalted maple wood, um, which spalted maple is actually formed by a, a fungus that really scrambles the cells in a maple tree and it creates um, a lot of uh, like another waterfall effect uh, of black lines blues and greens that um, look really really amazing so really some of the uh, some of the like, insect or, or fungus damage mm -hmm. that the tree has fought over its history of years right add colors and character to exactly to what you're seeing yeah and so wow. we've we've incorporated that into our 909 collection but then you'll also see some pieces um, that are in our flitch collection uh, of spalted maple um, and you'll kind of see what the spalt does to the tree and uh, that's really kind of the, the value that we're trying to provide people is like this isn't just uh, plain old wood this is um, really special wood that either looks really cool or has an amazing story behind it so we really try to do some of that curating ahead of time um, so that when you come to us you know you're going to be looking at really special wood love the thought that goes into it that seems mm -hmm. to be a really uh, unique value proposition yeah with with the claiming and the wood and everything yeah. that's cool yeah that's what we're hoping for well, John, I love it, man. I, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of uh, what's, I'm sure, a busy shop day for sure, you. Sure, yeah. And, uh, and telling us about it. Where can we go online, for example, to start seeing some, uh, some early sure. snippets of what you're doing? Sure. So uh, our website is uh, www.madisonflitch.com. Um, we are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Cool. Um, you can see um, some of our initial pieces online. Um, I'm still working on better photography, so <laughs> and uh, staged, uh, having pieces that are staged rather than just sort of the, um, you know, the uh, pieces with a blank background. But yeah. um, we're in development. We're bootstrapping, as you said, and um, we're headed in the right direction in terms of. Uh, uh, making the product uh, available to people. Very good, man. Well, again, I appreciate you taking the time. This has been a, a cool look into what you're doing. I can't wait till it's all launched to the public. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, have a great day. You too. You know, I'm a big fan of the maker movement and obviously a fan of our entrepreneurial community here in KC. Now, I really enjoyed hearing how John has combined these two to bring some really cool design to us in a form that we, we aren't seeing everywhere. So I know he's not the only one that's taking this track around here. So if you or someone you know is doing something similar, reach out to me. Let me know. I'd love to share their story with everyone. I hope this week's show is enjoyable for you, and if so, please share it with a friend. You can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, the CaseyGreats.com site, or any podcast app you like to use. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.